Hey guys, welcome to It's a Guy Thing episode 4, the second last episode of season 1. Today I have my friend Niels on. Uh, Niels is my senpai. Uh, He graduated uh, earlier this year in 2020. And um, yeah, uh, I also want to give a trigger warning for this episode because uh, there's some explicit language used, so... You've been warned. Um, but I had a really good talk with Niels. He has a lot of uh, criticisms of Japan. Uh, but near the end, he says that he'd like to hop on again and maybe bring some like positive aspects to the next pod. So, enjoy. Badu, my guy, Niels. How's it going, man? I'm doing well. Welcome to the podcast. Yes, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Have you have you ever been on a podcast before? Uh, this TCU's thing. Yeah, count? TC YouTube. That doesn't count, so no. It kind of counts. Then kind of. <laughs> what uh? What did you What did you do on TC YouTube? Uh, basically, I was like helping Algo doing like their English Week thing, uh-huh. and uh, we would just talk about it he he would have like an agenda and we would discuss what was on that so sometimes he'd ask me about like advice to give to freshmen and other times we would make a video like we we did like a campus tour one time oh really i never saw the video the on the yeah they're on youtube you can see them but Mm. they're like uh yeah yeah, yeah. So you wouldn't do any of the prep work. He would give you like. Yeah, he would like he would like send me like. Well, we we didn't have like a script. He would send me like a little like Google Docs thing like right before we'd start, <laughs> and then I would um, we would just both like kind of look at that, and then he would like write like a little script thing, and he'd be like, "Okay, I want you to say this," and I'd be like, "Okay," <laughs> but sometimes it'd be like I'd have to like rework the English as I yeah no doubt because because I'm like reading it, but I'm also like adjusting it yeah like as it uh, as it comes kind of mm. but yeah i didn't do really any prep work for that either how many episodes did you do of just audio we did maybe four or five mm. but they were short like 20 minutes 15 minutes mm. um but then we made we made a couple videos maybe four videos mm. doing like showing the campus off a little bit and Mm-mm. talking about the abe bucks the <laughs> yeah, yeah the check or whatever yeah yeah Dang. so this is your fourth this is my four the fourth episode and i'm the fourth guest fourth guest truly i'm humbled to be here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah man no thank you so much yeah, for man. be willing to do this and it's been a good evening so far yeah yeah had we, some good food had some, some good drinks some kushikatsu yeah and uh beer dude the new place is is dope it's all right it's it's uh it's just the right size hey still need to get some furniture but where things are looking good hmm. uh is uh coronavirus like a big thing here at the share house like are people we don't call it that <laughs> <laughs> no uh so it's kind of like very japanese in that on paper it's very everyone is being cautious but in reality no one is really like it's like oh please wear a mask like when i came to view the apartment they mm-hmm. were like okay you have to wear a mask and be careful about social distancing mm-hmm. da, da, da. and when i showed up we like 
we sprayed the alcohol on our hands and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But now that I'm living here, it's like everyone, like people are hanging out in the lounge without masks. <laughs> Nobody's using the spray. Yeah. Uh, we're supposed to have, we're supposed to like check in friends if they come visit. Ooh. Uh, we did not do that. <laughs> no, I haven't done that with anyone because it's like a pain in the ass. And uh, I, I, the the rules are very unclear on it. It's like they don't say if it's just a friend who's coming over to hang out or if it's a friend who's uh, staying like mm. a few nights or anything like that. They yeah. don't specify. But uh, you're only supposed to have, I think, one at a time. And I had like three recently. <laughs> so, and I, I think I'm the only, I'm not the only one who's. Yeah. No. I, Cause I've been seeing people like, yeah. yeah. So I mean, the, the two people we ran into on the way here, no one was wearing masks or. Anything. Yeah. There it's, it's, it's totally like, okay, officially we are doing everything we can to prevent coronavirus, but unofficially we're just carrying on <laughs> like normal. <laughs> but like, I don't know if you heard, but there was beside TCU, there was like that dorm facility where occurred. There was like huge... down the road, um, kind of past Kasumi, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's like a dorm. There's like a security guard dorm or something like that. Yeah, so I they can't had remember. a breakout. Yeah, yeah. So I, f- it makes sense that dorm like situations are like, it's so easy for the virus. To... Right. Well, especially like TCU where it's all everybody's interacting with each other and yeah no like is there privacy. no like public ofudo here no there's a yeah. kitchen that we share there's a living room and then the laundry room hmm. but other than that like if i don't want to interact with anyone i don't have to yeah hmm. but other than the share house how has uh the virus like affected your life um positively <laughs> i because really? i well okay that's not true so I can't go home. My summer plans to visit home were ruined. Oh, man. My Christmas plans to go home are like not looking so hot. We'll see. I mean, yeah. I, you know, I'm hopeful, and my mom was also very hopeful, but oh. we're not sure for sure. We don't know. But like, yeah. uh, short term, it's been nice because I've been uh, my work has been really flexible, and I've been I have two days that i'm working remotely mm-hmm. uh and that's just nice because i you cut out the commute time and you have a lot more time to like deal with stuff like you know doing laundry and cooking and especially because i'm still getting settled here mm-hmm. uh it's nice having that little extra time but other than that those two things it hasn't really affected me a whole lot mm. i would say dude i could like i often forget how long this has been going on I, but i remember <laughs> like back in the spring i think we both thought it was awesome but then a couple months in i remember talking to you and you were like man this shit is kind of lonely like, yeah well <laughs> so, there was a period of time where i didn't leave inzai yeah and it was like two months yeah there was two months where i didn't do anything i was in my room like 99 percent of the time having anime sad boy hours basically yeah mm-hmm. honestly that yeah <laughs> and it was like the one percent of the time that i wasn't in my room i was like at uh my friends who live nearby uh, i was at their house for dinner yeah so it was like that was it 
Yeah. Other than I was in my room in, in TCU for yeah. two months without leaving. Yeah, man. Like, how, how is it now at TCU? At TCU, uh, things are. It feels like things are relaxing, but at the same time, like tightening up. Like sure. the restrictions at the men's dorm, yeah. is, like pretty intense. Like from little things to like uh, the light switches all have uh, like covers over top of them. Like we're not allowed to touch the light switches and like stuff like that. <laughs> Where, like, that never happened, like, <laughs> up until the fall semester. Yeah. So, things kind of feel like overkill, but at the same time, it's, like, I'm starting to see a lot more people on campus than I ever have before. That's good. So, it's a little bit of, like, tightening up, but also seeing kind of things go back to normal a little bit. So, there there are no classes in any classrooms right now? There, there are a couple hybrid classes. Oh, okay. So none of the international, uh, none of the ACTS classes are uh, hybrid. They're all online because we have some students who are stuck abroad. Um, but there are some Japanese classes that are in session in the classroom buildings. But I think the, the not every week is like off and on. Oh, okay. I, I don't know which classes they are, but yeah. I'm really surprised that that's happening. Yeah, I was talking to uh, uh, Dr. Seitzma, and he was saying, like, if you have to, like, you can't take public transport to go to TCU. So a professor yeah. could only teach a class if they could get there by car or yeah. bike or something. And that goes for students, too. It's the same for students. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, like, the students who do have hybrid classes are, I think, forced to be at TCU. Yeah. Which, I think over yeah. the summer and spring, technically, we weren't supposed to be riding the trains at all either, right? When we were living in the dorms. That's just, like, that can't be helped. Like, you can't force yeah, people yeah, remember, to, like, to do that. Yeah, because I don't know if that was, like, an official thing or not, but I was, when the the state of emergency ended, I was going, doing, I was commuting to work mm -hmm. a couple times a week. Yeah. And someone was like, are you riding the train? And I was like, yep. And they like, I don't I, like. I could tell they kind of looked like they wanted to say something, but they didn't. Hmm. So I, this is like probably not worth it for them to raise it as an issue. Yeah, but how can they like force you to like essentially quit your job? Like if your job requires you to go. I don't know. And well, I, I mean, that's just, like I don't think they were enforcing it. It was just like, oh, I think it was like one of those like Japanese on paper things. It's like, yeah. Look! Look at how much we're doing to prevent the spread of the virus kind of deal, you know? Uh, but yeah, even, even now, uh, no one is allowed to go to church, like no matter how far it is. Like even, you know, the Baptist church, like down the road, yeah. down the road. No, even if you go there, you're not allowed to go there. Like if you're on campus, cause they felt like they had to draw the line somewhere, but it's, so no one's allowed to go to their church practicum in person, but they can't stop people from going to Tokyo or like doing whatever they want. Like, wait, wait, wait. So like, you could go out on a Friday night to Tokyo, and ball it up, and they can't stop you, but they can stop you from going to your church practicum down yes. the street. Yes. I love that. <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> I mean, they strongly encourage for you to... To not 
go. To not right? go. But, yeah. but they, like, what are they going to do? Like, yeah. So uh, even church, could you still go to, you could still go to church, right? And they, uh, you're discouraged from it, but you still could, right? I, I wonder what they would do because the pastors have to give reports, right? On the students, like how they're doing. So yeah, if, but it's if only a pa- like twice if, a year, right? Yeah. So if a pastor said in the report, like, oh, my student came to church, then the school might be like, uh, okay, you fail the practicum. Do you think they would do that? <laughs> I, I would hope not, but yeah. I'm curious. Well, we can ask the man himself next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's it's a, it's a weird situation. I mean, I can't blame TCU because a dorm situation like we were talking about before is just a perfect place for it to spread. It's engineered to maximize yeah, the spread potential. contagious or contagious, yeah, like pathogens to move around and spread. <laughs> yeah, so and they have a lot of older students too, so yeah, you know they've got to they've got to be careful. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if one student gets it on campus, there's other students who can't leave campus because they can't go back to their home countries or anything like that. Oh, sure. Like, like the international, international students. Yeah. yeah. So it's like if it spreads on campus, it's just going to be. Right. Because yeah. so, the Japanese, you know, Sato-kun can go home to yeah. fucking uh, <laughs> yeah, good old Ibaraki Sato-kun. or whatever. Yeah. You know, like he's going to ride 20 minutes on the train and go back to his. All right, Sato-kun, right? go back to Saitama with yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We can't really do. I mean, I guess we could, but it's like $800 plane ticket and. Losing our visa and probably not going to be able to get back in for another year. Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. So the podcast is about, like, gaijin experience in Japan. So I I don't really know your story. Like, (laughs) I remember hearing bits and parts, but... I think today I'm really keen on like getting to hear like your whole story. So when did you have a lot of like Japanese influence when you were a kid? Like, um, yeah. So like when I was a kid, I was into like Pokemon and, mm-hmm. you know, stupid cartoons and stuff like that. And I yeah. still am. I still love those stupid cartoons, yeah. you know? Um, I was into it as a kid, kind of discouraged, by my family from watching them because uh well like long story short you know it's like i was young and they didn't want me to be exposed to uh like foreign ideologies so early mm. in life which you know like uh they have their reasons they did they did what they did i don't i can't say yeah. whether i like agree with them or not right Mm -hmm. now but i don't know maybe i'll feel differently when i have when i have my own kids but yeah yeah, so i was into it as a kid and then uh the interest was always kind of there even if i didn't really like you know like there was a time i wasn't really allowed to watch like japanese cartoons and yeah stuff like that yeah the the first episode of the podcast i did i did like my story yeah and so i talked about how my parents were also against kind of like eastern ideas because i think there was a narrative back in like the 70s 80s where it was like 
uh, they're trying to take over. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Like, especially in uh, like evangelical Christian. Yeah, circle. yeah, totally. So is that like what? Yeah, kind of the same like? deal. Yeah. Have you seen the South Park where where the the it's Chim Pokemon? <laughs> no. Uh, oh my gosh. Okay, you should watch it. But basically, it's like it's kind of making fun of that a little bit, where they're like the the Chim Pokemon are programmed to brainwash the kids into bombing Pearl Harbor again. <laughs> oh my so god! It's kind of like yeah, it's like making fun of that sort that of like era. evangelical Christian, like oh, the Japanese cartoons are corrupting our children, kind of thing. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so there's some of that influence as well. Like, but, were you allowed Harry Potter when you were? Kid? Uh, actually, yeah, and I was encouraged. I didn't. I wasn't interested, but I was encouraged slash almost forced to read the first book by my mother. Huh. And it was a good call because I loved the books after that. Now uh-huh. I was kind of like, on them, but as a kid, I loved them. Yeah. Because, you know, they didn't really give a fuck what I watched. Yeah. <laughs> and mom wasn't there to tell me no. So, yeah. Uh, but then, yeah, and when I was in high school, because I always wanted to do martial arts. And then when I was uh. in high school, I had a job in a car. And I was like, I've always wanted to do martial arts. Mm-hmm. Now I can afford it and drive myself to it. Like, mm-hmm. I don't have an excuse not to. So I signed myself up for martial arts and I started doing it. Mm. And that was like, my first like legitimate exposure i think to like japanese language japanese because my first the first japanese words that i learned were martial art combat moves basically huh um what type of style of martial arts i did aikido so um yeah so the very first japanese terms that i learned was like ryote dori which is like two-hand grab mm. and like koshinage which is a hip throw and stuff like that huh. so it's kind of interesting like even before i actually studied the language i was learning like the martial mm. arts combat terms which is mm. kind of kind of cool because i did because sword work is a part of it too so i learned i've forgotten some of it but mm-hmm. uh i could probably i feel like i could like recall it to memory pretty mm. easily if i had to um and then that kind of first like real was when I really started getting into Japan and mm. Japanese stuff. <laughs> so that was beginning of high school. So you were like fourteen. I was 15. well. I was driving, so I was sixteen. Oh, so it was kind of late. Yeah. Like, did you did you ever have a time like when you were a kid, like thinking that you wanted to go to Japan, or was it not until you started? Like after you did martial arts, it wasn't actually. I I still didn't want to go to Japan after two years of doing martial arts. Mm. I wasn't interested. I it, it was like on the back burner. It was like, oh, one day it would be cool to do that. But yeah, I'd never been out of the country. Uh, I hadn't really even flown on a plane, huh. so it was like the idea was totally like off the table as an yeah, option. Yeah. You and just really liked doing it. I love martial arts. Yeah, yeah. and there was a. Um, I was like at work or something and my mom texted me and she was like some, a friend of ours. So we've got a lot of friends who've done missionary work with MTW, um, Mm -hmm. 
a friend of a friend posted something that Japan needed or, or MTW Japan needed interns mm. for what is soccer. what is MTW mission to the world sorry mm. so it's just a, a PCA Presbyterian Church of America affiliated missions organization mm-hmm. and they yeah so a friend posted a flyer or something on Facebook I think that Japan MTW Japan needed interns for Osaka or something mm-hmm. so uh, my mom like sent it to me. She's like, you should apply for this. And I was like, no, <laughs> no, like don't be ridiculous. Mom. Like I have a job. I'm enrolling in school in the fall. I have a tour lined up with my band. Like I don't mm-hmm. have time for that. Mm-hmm. She was like, no, like you should really think about this and really like, cons- like weigh your options. Like the other stuff will work itself out. Like at the very least you apply and you don't get accepted. Or you apply and decide not to go. Huh. So I was like... Any I, idea why your mom was like so persistent? Because you had, you had good things lined up. Like, tour for your band. And yeah. Stuff well, like that. I think like, she those knew... Those good things. Yeah, I think she knew that, that I wanted to do it secretly. Hmm. Or, or not secretly, but like... It was something I wanted to do eventually. And she was like, this is an opportunity. And part of it was probably like... Uh, um, I had been graduated for a year and didn't really have an idea of what I want, like wanted to do with my life. Mm. And so she was just like throwing it out as a suggestion of like, here's mm. something you can do for while you're figuring out what you're, what you want to do with your life kind of thing. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. So and it, it, yeah, it, it, it was a great move on her part. And so I thought about it and, you know, after a day I was like, yeah, I'll just apply. And then like, as I was going through the application process and mm-hmm. sending in forms and doing interviews with the people, mm-hmm. uh, the more kind of like hyped I was getting, I was yeah, like, yeah. this would be a really cool thing. Like, mm. I guess because I'd never traveled much or, I mean, outside of my band stuff, like that was all domestic though. I'd never gone international, mm-hmm. flown on a plane or anything like that, mm-hmm. that it was just like such a foreign idea to me. Like, yeah, this is going to take a long time of working up to being able to go do this. Mm-hmm. But the way that it worked out, was just kind of like shattered that like mm. idea of baby stepping your way into something. It was just kind of like shoved like go do this kind of thing you know was was like every step you took of the process like the application process it like doors were opening like yeah it's actually yeah it's funny so the uh, the ad was for osaka interns Uh and as you know i didn't wind up in osaka yeah uh so they were like you can go to tokyo you can go to osaka but they kind of want someone older in osaka uh, or you can go to Ishinomaki and help with the, uh, there's Disaster always, relief. there's always something going on. Yeah. There's yeah, always, there's always some, there's shit always going on some Ishinomaki. poor Ishinomaki, <laughs> those poor souls. Yeah. But there's always something. So there's some relief team. And I was like, well, uh, I'm only going for two months. So like mastering the Japanese language and, you know, being like deeply rooted in the community is out like mm-hmm. and uh if they want someone older for osaka like i might as well go to tokyo like yeah and so they were like okay well you're approved we just have to double check you with the tokyo team and mm. it's like dope 
So you were graduated high school. You had taken like a gap year. Yeah. So I was wrapping up my gap. I was towards the end of my gap year. Mm-hmm. And you were uh, like accepted into a college at the time. Yeah, I was going to a community college in the fall. I was set up to uh-huh. go in there in the fall. And, um, yeah, so I was concerned about working over the summer and raising money for that and also uh, playing shows with my band. Yeah. But. Um, That's a lot on a guy's plate. Yeah, but it was like, it's funny. My dad actually filled in for me for the, the, the the gigs in the summer uh, well I what, was, did, what did you do in the band play i play bass yeah so play, oh bass so he's a professional bass player so he he filled in for me for a lot of the shows <laughs> uh, which is pretty what cool. a champ yeah what a champ for real um but yeah so i did the two months in tokyo and i was like during the summer during the summer june and july oh god like, during like japan is the greatest like yeah. so i had like i had the time of my life it was awesome mm. i was like with mtw so like i didn't have like well i'm trying to be polite in how i say this there's not (laughs) there's only so much work you could actually do Uh, as a missionary intern that's that's a good way to put it there's there's not you don't have a lot to begin with uh, and if you want to make yourself busy there's really only so much you can do yeah that's totally so true. yeah it was a lot of just like hanging out kind of like mm. college ministry yeah it's just like hanging out with college age students and it's like uh-huh. japan is the greatest <laughs> so i was like yes let's come back and my my mentor was like uh you should get your degree first and i was like fuck that <laughs> like, i'm not gonna i'm not gonna go sit through four years just to come back like because uh, I was learning Japanese, I was or I wanted to learn Japanese, and you know you you have to start young to learn yeah. language, really, right? Mm-hmm. So that was part of it, and then the other part was like I'm not about to wait five years to come back here, mm-hmm. you know. So uh, I was like, what about university in Japan? And he was like, yeah, that's an option. And he recommended he like told me about TCU, he told me about ICU, and then I knew about like Waseda, right? And so your mentor knew about these places yes from uh he's not from back home but from uh your the mission yeah from being here in japan okay, okay yeah yeah uh and i uh who listens to this podcast <laughs> just like i want to know my audience i i, I haven't I published anything yet so you haven't published anything okay um, well just be uh, considerate in what you say. Sure, yeah. I, I so know. I only applied to one university. And in hindsight, I should have applied to more than one. <laughs> just because it's always nice to explore your options. Yes, totally. I, I, I agree. So I applied to TCU and only TCU. Is there any reason why you did that? Uh, you know... That's a really good question, and I'm trying to remember, I'm trying to recall my thought process at the time, because I know I was looking at, I, I'm i like 99% sure that I was also looking at ICU at the time. Mm-hmm. I think in my mind, I thought they were the same thing. Mm. Not the same university, but like the same idea, like the same, yeah, yeah. like, oh, they're both in Tokyo, they're both 
Christian universities, I thought they would be similar experiences, no yeah. matter which one. So I was like, I'm not going to waste all the money to apply for two of the same thing, right? Yeah, applying for universities. It's expensive. It's expensive. It racks up. Yeah. And so I didn't know where TCU was until I showed up with my bags. Classic. For orientation. No way, and really? let me just say, I was shocked Yeah. that... Because I remember when I when I landed at the airport and I got off and there was I knew the emails like someone will be there to help take you to TCU. I was like, okay. He was like, you're gonna want to get on the train. You're gonna wait five stops and you're gonna get off. And I was like, only five? Like <laughs> something was like off because I knew Narito was pretty far out from from the inner city yeah. and it's like five stops doesn't seem like very far. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I get on like five stop and like I showed up and it was like the rice fields yeah there yeah. was an eon mall and that was it yeah <laughs> and i was kind of like there was still the like uh like honey honeymoon kind of like ah, oh, i'm excited i'm here mm-hmm. new chapter you know new new stuff's going down i was all mm-hmm. excited to really think about it and then after a few months i was kind of like this is really the middle of nowhere like, <laughs> Wait, I really... so you do two months in japan yeah and then how many how long was it into until you arrived at orientation oh it was one year exactly one year exactly. so i went home in the very end of july mm-hmm. uh like the 31st or something like that and then i worked and did school for a year and then the next summer and then i came for orientation in august mm-hmm. of the next year That's 2016 huh and so like that whole year you were home you were like in anticipation of yeah it was like well, for the first few months, I was, like, in a rut. I was, like, depressed. and Because yeah. like, it was, like, I just had this crazy experience across the world. And now I'm back doing all the same things that I was uh-huh. doing. Uh-huh. And everyone around... It was, like... I, and in hindsight, it, it might have been a little bit arrogant. Mm-hmm. But it was kind of, like, the world is so much bigger than, you know, fucking Baja Burrito where I was working. It's, like, <laughs> all these people is, like, you have... Uh, it just felt like... I was the only one who knew or I was the only one who uh, was like aware of so that the world is way bigger than we think it is. Yeah. Or than we think about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and that's yeah, probably arrogant uh, and certainly not true of most, most of the people that I was interacting with. Mm-hmm. But for me at that time, it was, I was like miserable. Yeah. Cause I was just like, I just wanted to get back to Japan. Mm-hmm. No, totally. I totally resonate with that. Yeah. Like, so you, I I just can't believe you never knew where TCU was until you showed up. Right? Yeah, well, like, cause like I'd never been to the physical campus. Yeah, I re- I remember looking on a map maybe and being like, oh, that's a little far out. Uh-huh. But I didn't have any. I didn't really have any context for it. Yeah, no. You know, you were I, only in Japan for two months. I was before, in Japan for so two months. Yeah, you don't really know. I was the in scale. Tokyo. Yeah, so I didn't have. I knew is like oh off to the side, but yeah. I didn't really know like how far it was. Also, where they get you is the the Hokusen, which is like the most expensive yeah. line in Japan and yeah. runs like once every two hours. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> oh man, the last train is at like ten thirty. Mm-hmm. You like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So for people back home who don't know, uh. Our school that me and Niels went to is Tokyo Christian University, but it's not actually in Tokyo. It's 
in uh, Chiba Prefecture, which is a prefecture just uh, northeast of Tokyo. And uh, it's not even the good part of Chiba. <laughs> like, this is Chiba. I'm in Chiba. Oh, right yeah, now. true. But I'm like, it's Tokyo Disneyland's right there. It's, yeah, no, I was looking at a map. Tokyo Disneyland is I right can walk, there. I can ride my bike. I could probably walk, but it's like right there. Crazy. Yeah. But so you're close to the ocean. This is like too. the cool Chiba. Yeah, we, yeah. We were in the uh, Inaka, the, the Inaka, country. Yeah. But I mean, Inzai <laughs> isn't too countryside. It is definitely, but I mean, it's, compared it's to, suburban. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, so Narita Airport is kind of like one of the two major airports of Japan, and it's nowhere near Tokyo. It takes like two hours from Narita Airport to get to like inner Tokyo. Yeah, it, it depends on the the line you take or the train you can. Yeah, catch, yeah. But you can get express two trains hours, and two special. Hours is pretty, yeah. yeah, but. Yeah, that the train line from Tokyo to our school is the most expensive in Japan. And it's ridiculous like what it costs to go from like our school to Tokyo. Man, so I'm paying I'm paying my commute is a fifth of what it was. <laughs> yeah, before. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> So you show up for orientation, and you're still kind of in the honeymoon phase. Yeah. And then... It... Oh, this is the best part. I didn't have a bed. This was awesome. So I show up to TCU, and there's all these, like, futon, like, uh -huh. lined up. They've all got names. And I was like, oh, cool. Let's find my name. So I'm, like, looking, and there's no name. And I was kind of like, well this, well, this is strange. Like, oh. And I asked about it. It was like, oh, the short-term exchange students... They all get a rental futon. Yeah. The full scholarship students, they all get a rental futon. You've got to go buy your own futon. <laughs> it was like 6.30 at night, and the mall is a 40-minute walk. <laughs> and nobody was, like, offering to help. No one was, you know, there was no. It was like, okay, I've got to fucking walk an hour and a half round trip to get a futon, or I sleep on wood. <laughs> like, that was... That, and no one told me that it was that's like, day one yeah and honestly that prepared me for the next four years better than anything else <laughs> at, at orientation i'm not even joking it was just like oh, get used man. to getting butt fucked <laughs> oh my god dude oh man yeah tc screwed that's what we call it tc screwed yeah i'm not bitter Oh, I'm a little bitter. <laughs> Maybe just a, little, just a little bit. It's too soon. It's too soon. If this was a, give me two years from now, I'll be in. I'll be. I'll have nicer things to say. Mm. Probably. Right now, I'm like. Yeah. Yeah. So. When, when would you say like your, would you say that your attitude like switched, over the course of like your first year in Japan? where you were in like this honeymoon phase uh so much so that when you were home for a year you were in a funk like oh man just get me back to japan but sure. then you were in japan and things were kind of like looking up again yeah like, it's like oh man i'm back in japan and then would you say like 
your mindset changed within the first year or did it take longer? Um, yeah, so my mindset really changed uh, within the first few months, really, because I was like, there's kind of like this, I was, you know, hanging out with the other new students and the other international students from America and, you know, like spending money going out with them and stuff like that. And then it was kind of like reality check. You have to pay for tuition. You're responsible for the next three and a half years of tuition. Mm -hmm. That's not coming from like, you're not, you, you've got to produce that or you can't go to school here. So it was like Mm. within the first few months that I had to like, I started working at Costco and had to stop going and party, not partying, but just like going out to eat and hanging out in Tokyo. Being frivolous. Being frivolous. Yeah. Which in hindsight was good because it was like, it's really unwise. Yeah. You don't want to set a habit of overspending (laughs) that Mm. early on, you know? Yeah. So that it kind of, the game kind of changed then. It was like more like, uh, I had to learn to be more responsible with my money and I had to, um, not learn not to be envious of people. Mm. It's really easy to kind of think that you're in the worst position and everyone else is somehow better off than you. Yeah. And you kind of like, it makes you, re- it can make you really bitter. Yeah. So, uh, second year was really rough actually. Cause it was like, that was kind of when, uh, money stuff was getting really difficult with the school and mm-hmm. I was just like really upset because there was a couple professors that I didn't lie. It was like all these little things that was like adding up to mm-hmm. big things and then throw tuition on top of that. And it was kind of like, mm. yeah, kind of miserable a little bit. Mm. Yeah, I got over it. Mm. It kind of sounds like your distaste for Japan didn't really come from Japan itself, but from, rather from TCU, from your school. Yeah, yeah, and there, you know, there's like, there's dumb stuff that I have to deal with still outside. Like the bureauc- Japanese bureaucracy is awful. Uh it's terrible it's the most inefficient system (laughs) but even that was like tcu prepared me for that because their Mm. bureaucracy is the same thing yeah it's inefficient and it's basically like all these mobs that communicate with each other sometimes Mm -hmm. if it's convenient for them they'll communicate with each other if it's convenient for you they definitely are not communicating (laughs) with each other so like and like dealing with the tcus like the bukatsu and the like gakusekai and the way that the committee the student run committees handle thing at t- handle things at tcu kind of prepared me for like japanese society where it's like yeah oh this is the same fucking thing <laughs> like <laughs> you get out it's like oh wow oh look at this mm-hmm. so and then you get a lot of like the old the kind of older we were talking about this early the steamers yeah. as i call them kind of like old like more or less xenophobic kind of racist grumpy japanese mm. men salary men and then mm. steamstresses are the the, the female equivalent mm-hmm. where they're just like they work 80 hours a week because they don't want to go home to their families <laughs> and then when they're not at work 
and they're not at home with the families they don't want to spend time with. They're like getting drunk with their salarymen boyos, you know. Yeah. So like the and I'm I'm interested to see too what happens now that the new prime minister has been elected, Suga or whatever his name is. Oh yeah, it seems Abe like San he's kind of like a, yeah yeah yeah. Abe-san resigned and then suga he's old he's like 71 no way he's older than abe yeah no so he got he's he's in now and i actually i yeah the last news i heard it was that he had stepped down but i didn't know who's gonna replace him dude suga, somebody suga, older he's a steamer for sure dude oh god and all the steamers are gonna come out now god help japan yeah so uh you know we'll see we'll see rest in peace like gen gen z gen x but yeah so dealing with the japanese government is kind of like you just have to remember that they're a mob and each department even if they're in the same building a different department you're dealing with a different mob Mm -hmm. they'll never they're never gonna uh take on any blame so like if they if if a department fucks up uh it's your fault so like if you if some mistake gets made and you go they're like oh you got to go check on this with the other department you go check with the other department uh and something's not right it's your fault even if you did it even if you didn't do anything wrong you did everything by the book you did everything you were supposed to if another department fucks up and makes a mistake it's on you Hmm. and so would you say that goes from the like a government level all the way down to like japanese yes, like relationship because, yes because uh the japanese have a crazy like inside and outside the uchi versus soto kind of deal right mm-hmm. because you're a gaijin you're never going to be on the uchi you're mm-hmm. always soto mm-hmm. even with you know matt like no matter how long you know how good your japanese is how long you've been there no matter what you're on the fucking soto mm-hmm. you know and because of that and because that paired with their community aspect for them to take on blame means that the whole, if they're going to say that them to accept a, uh, like a fault means that there is like an insult to their whole community mm. and, and, uh, they're, they're betraying their community kind of, I, I feel like I get that vibe where they feel like they're betraying their community by faulting the community. So it has to be your fault because mm. you're the outsider. You didn't know to do X, Y, Z. Even if you did, mm. it's still your fault mm. because they just have that ingrained in the, their way of thinking. Mm. Not all of them. But yeah, most yeah. Of them. <laughs> a good, so, yeah. do you? You mentioned like as a foreigner, you will never be in the uchi, like in the inside. Do you feel like marginalized from Japanese society? Uh, yeah. But it's not. It's not all bad. Like you know, I could sit and bitch all day about the thing. You know why how racist japan is and how they aren't doing this what you know xyz but at the end of the day it's like the pros definitely outweigh the cons how so well like you are excused from certain things by being a foreigner Mm -hmm. that japanese people are not excused from Mm. and even even if it's just the mindset yeah even your your mindset is more to to be 
the sacrifice of being part of the uchi or part of the in the the inner whatever you call it of japan means mm-hmm. you have to abandon your your individualist your individual self and mm-hmm. take on the community yeah so i think that in itself is an advantage uh that you don't have to do that yeah and if you can uh try to work towards being like a a, an ally Mm. if that's the best way i can put it because you're never going to be on the inside yeah but you can at least be a guy on the outside that's like an an ally or uh like a a uh like a buddy like a cheerleader (laughs) a cheerleader yeah sure yeah cheerleader yeah love uh keep having your meetings guys yeah basically yeah right yeah but something like that of of the inside because then Uh i feel like you start to um uh you're less out of the know you kind of have a better idea of what's going on Mm. if that makes sense yeah but do you feel like frustrated with that fact or are you like proud to be on the outside Both. being <laughs> it depends on the day really yeah, yeah. yeah. there's sometimes where it's just like really really frustrating it's like well like one of the things okay so I, and i'm sure you've brought, you've got this before uh one example is they the language is uh it's a difficult language it's mm-hmm. a pain in the ass to learn it's a pain in the ass to speak blah 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 blah. right yeah there's a lot of japanese people especially the steamers they <laughs> will treat you like they can't understand your japanese even yeah. if you're spe- you'll be speaking perfect japanese to them and they'll give you that look like they're yeah. they don't know what the fuck you're saying it's like yeah just because i used you know a particle incorrectly Mm-hmm. Or because I slightly mispronounced this noun doesn't mean you can't understand me. Yeah. And I don't know if it's intentional or if it's a subconscious thing where they just like see a white face or they see mm-hmm. or any any foreigner's face. They see a non-Japanese face and they just assume like the brain switches. The off. brain switches. It's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I don't that's frustrating when what I what I usually do is I'll just bulldoze them like. Um, where um, I feel like my Japanese is good enough to where like they can't really pull that shit if they try to mm-hmm. I can rail into them with yeah with my Japanese and mm-hmm. especially if there's people around because if I shame them it's not gonna they're you know <laughs> they go home and cut their you know cut their stomach open right? yeah right Haragiri. well but yeah so <laughs> so uh yeah like i feel like my japanese is is good enough to where if they try and be actually like so here's an example uh when i was dealing with the city hall the other day they were they were trying to do some steamer bullshit oh you have two they said that i had two pension numbers and they were like that needs to be one and some other stuff basically the lady like tried to imply something along the lines of like oh are you saying you haven't been paying the 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 pension for the four like you you were 20 when you were in japan but you didn't pay the pension to just you like tried to like 
uh, kind of like give me with some of that, like pretending like she didn't understand me. And I like railed her. I was like, no, I've been paying the pension. I have the receipts. I'll bring them. Like I can bring them and show you I've been paying the pension. I, I paid, I paid y'all a fat stack of cash like last week. And she kind of backed off of that. Um, but that's like one of those things for someone who doesn't have the Japanese or, or the, they're not familiar enough with like how the system works, I guess you yeah. could say. It, it's really easy for them to get taken advantage of. I feel totally, like. yeah. For yeah, people like first coming to to Japan, it's really easy to be like taken advantage of. Yeah, totally. Sure. Yeah. Huh. Do you do you like like as as uh, gaijin as foreigners, we kind of stand out. Do you like the attention of standing out? No. Not really. Hmm. Sometimes I do. Sometimes it's nice. You yeah. know. That, I'm, I'm kind of surprised by your answer. When like you're, it. well, when you're a college student, it's fun and games. You meet a group of, you know, it's a group of cute chicks and you're the one tall white guy. And, you know, yeah. like that's all, you know, it's all fun and games. That's fine and stuff. Hmm. But when you're out, like when you're like, uh, like, doing more in society you you kind of or for me personally i want to stand out less i don't want you know because it's like i don't want to be this i'm I'm like i'm just trying to live my life i don't like people you know like when i was working at costco people would uh people would try and chat with me sometimes and sometimes it was fine but some days i just wasn't feeling it and just like Mm -hmm. i don't want to talk to this person and they're oh you know, the Sato-san's up there with his hair roll, you know, like, trying to use his second-grade English on me. And it's yeah. just kind of like, oh, I don't want to deal with this, you know? <laughs> yeah. um, what I would do occasionally was pretend I didn't speak English and that I was, like, Russian or something. Yeah. Uh, so that they just wouldn't bug me. Which works sometimes, you know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Now, it's just kind of like, I don't, Yeah. It's kind of, it, it gets old, I guess you could say. Yeah, no. It's fine when, you know, you're with a bunch of young people and they don't really care. Mm-hmm. But when you're dealing with steamers. <laughs> yeah. Like oh, the old people. And especially bureaucracy. It's like, just fucking treat me like a normal person, please. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, trying to use, like, easy Japanese and talk really slowly. And they look at you like they can't understand you. It's like... Yeah. You're like a lost puppy. Fucking yeah, exactly. It's like, dude, just speak to me like a normal person, please. Yeah. Hmm. So, do you think because I, I'm really I'm I'm honestly quite surprised at your answer, but uh, oh yeah. Do you do you feel like <laughs> is that enough to make you want to steer clear of Japan, or do you feel like it's a small price to pay? Like no, it's being... not really. I mean. No, I, uh, <laughs> that's kind of a, I guess it depends on the person, right? Um, but for me, it doesn't really, like, it doesn't really, um, I'm not really phased by it. It's an, it's an annoying thing, but I've got to deal with annoying shit back home, too, in, ten- in Tennessee, in America. There's Well, like, there's, think, okay, like, think about, like, if you were buying a car or if you're, like, dealing with, like, 
bank situation or just like life stuff yeah back home in america yeah no one's gonna treat you like a lost puppy like people are going to be like yeah like respectful and treat you like a human being yeah but you just can't really get that in japan like that's a good point yeah yeah so a good example is like uh uh when i applied for a japanese credit card Mm -hmm. and it took forever yeah. It took they were calling me, they had to confirm, do I have a middle name? Do I have health insurance? All this shit. It took like 5 6 months the whole process did. And like I remember talking to my one of my, my bosses, her she had a husband who's American and he I like he didn't even work I don't think at the at the time. Uh but she was like, "Oh, my husband got his in like 2 weeks." And I was like, "Fuck. Like that's bullshit." Like uh, but eventually I got my credit card and it was like, cool, good to go. Um, but yeah, I, I guess we'll see as more things come along. Like I know with like apartment hunting, a lot of landlords will just turn you down as soon as they know that you're not Japanese Yeah. and someone will actually raise the price, yeah. uh, you know, stuff like that. Um, my strategies was when i was looking for apartments was to just steer clear of that and just uh um just go for like a social like a share house type setting which is what i wound up in but i imagine in the future when i move that's gonna i'm gonna run into that again and it's gonna be an issue and i'm sure then my answer will be very different from what it is now yeah <laughs> Yeah, no, that's... But I think that's going away, too. Yeah, because think... the steamers are dying off. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, they're retiring. They're, I mean, not very quickly, but slowly but surely, they're retiring and they're getting too old and younger people are taking over and mm-hmm. there's more... There's a lot more young people that are more, like, globally-minded... Yeah, quote yeah. unquote, if you want to say. Yeah. And I think there is like a lot more foreigners who are interested in coming to Japan, and I think there will be like a large market in the future for there to be like foreign real estate agents, foreign. Uh, One can hope, right? Yeah. Hopefully, like foreign workers were like at ward offices and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm curious to see how it – I feel like our generation is, is, like, perfectly poised to transition into, like, a cultural shift in Japan where, like, younger students – or, no, sorry, not students. Younger Japanese people that grew up around computers and video games and kind of the internet, more global, like, oriented society as they – yeah, the Zoomers. As the Zoomers slowly, like, take over or the the – the seats of authority in companies and stuff are handed to those people that changes. I hope that changes will be implemented that will sort of make that a little bit better maybe. And I feel like our generation is just in time to kind of see that hopefully. Mm -hmm. And hopefully not just things like uh, concerning foreigners, but also huge societal problems like, being loyal to one company for your entire life and <laughs> yeah. working. That's already overtime. changing. There's 
they're 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 pushing ads for penshoku and career changes and job changes and stuff like that more mm. more and more even uh-huh. over the last four years i feel like mm. so that's good yeah but yeah the the there's a lot of their uh yeah yeah hmm. I'll, I'll leave that there <laughs> <laughs> So, do you see yourself living in Japan for multiple decades? Uh, it's too early to say, but yeah, sure. Hmm. Um, uh, the The goal eventually is to have property here and back home, hmm. so I can do. You know, this is the dream. So who knows yeah. how realistic it is? But you know, maybe do six months here, six months there, or hmm. switch off, switch it up. I can Airbnb mm. it when I'm not there. <laughs> mm. Something like that. That's, That's the long, kind of the long-term goal. And that way, I'm set up so that if one country goes to shit, I can just peace out. <laughs> so. Oh, with uh, Japan and America, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. totally possible either we'll way. We'll see, yeah. Who knows what the new steamer... Uh, the new steamer, yeah. Uh, Prime Minister... Brigade, yeah, 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 right. <laughs> Well, yeah, but it could the the new prime minister guy could work favorably for Japan, I think, cuz like they're they're basically getting cucked by China. <laughs> like to put it like to put it as bluntly and and like simply as possible, Japan is getting cucked by China. Hmm. And it could be I don't, you know, don't quote me on this in a year I could totally be like Fuck it, never mind. But it could be that a kind of conservative, almost nationalistic steamer might be the best bet for Japan getting China off their backs. I could be wrong, but, but, yeah. Because I saw one of his agendas is getting, getting kidnapped Japanese people out of North Korea. (laughs) So I read that, I was like, yeah, I'm on board with that. Like, <laughs> North Korea can't keep being allowed to get away with the things that it's been getting away with. Yeah. Yeah, that's a whole other. Yeah, for legal set of reasons, problems. that's a joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> huh. Well, it's it's good to hear that even though Japan kind of drives you crazy in some areas of your life it it sounds like you haven't fully given up on it no i feel like feeling hopeless no yeah i feel like um there's like a two or three year hump once you get over that it's Mm -hmm. like smooth sailing Mm. it kind of evens out outside of uh tcu our, our school what has culture shock looked like for you? Like, has it been a roller coaster ride of like, uh, like, uh, like constant ups and downs? T- well, do you mean since graduating or since? Uh, like being, cause like we talked about how a lot of your distaste for Japan was affected heavily yeah. by TCU. Yeah. But so I, I guess being four years at, as a student it's hard to kind of separate your life from studies and school yeah. life but like maybe like social interactions with Japanese people 
like not dealing with the, the office at TCU yeah. or any of the politics, but like your relationships with people, your your time at, at Costco, like in the Japanese workplace, like has your your journey of culture shock been like long seasons of good and long seasons of bad? Has it been like ups and downs frequently? Um, pretty neutral actually. Like now that I think about it, there's. Mm. There hasn't been a whole lot where it definitely hasn't been up and down, like, like, uh, rapidly. Yeah. And it doesn't really feel like it's been changing that much, if that makes sense. Well, like, uh, I feel like the, the things that, that I dealt with the uh, at TCU that pissed me off actually were beneficial because they prepared me for like Japanese society and where it's the same fucking thing basically. <laughs> so in a, in a, so when, when stuff like that would happen in outside of TCU, it, it didn't really phase me that much because I was more or less prepared for it. So because of that, there wasn't really much room to move like up or down either way as far as um uh you know being excited about japan or frustrated with japan or this mm -hmm. except for the bureaucracy they can all go fuck themselves <laughs> that's just like anytime i've got to deal with the government it's just like oh dear like please lord grant me patience <laughs> So in that sense, you can't really be mad at TCU because they prepped you on the macro level. It, totally, it seems like it's hilarious. It's when when absolutely. the macro happens, it's really funny. But yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every microaggression was dished out by TCU first, so they really helped me out. <laughs> thanks TCU. Yeah, thanks TCU. <laughs> That might be the nicest thing I've ever heard Neil say. <laughs> it is like, wow, we finally got him to compliment his alma mater. <laughs> okay, but uh, for real, man, um, like, what what are some good things that happened at TCU? Like, what 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 what, what are you graduating this uh, yeah, year? Yeah, Dr. Saitama. I love that man. He's just a G. He's a, he's a straight gangster, through and through. Shout out to. Shout out. Dr. Dr. David Saitsuma Sensei. Uh, yeah, he's just. I enjoyed all of his classes. It was all. It was exactly because I grew up home. I was homeschooled, and I had kind of a more or less classical education. So his classes were very familiar in that as like reading of like source text, and uh, then doing the secondary reading, and then quizzes based on that, and then lectures based on that, where you're basically you're just like building off this massive foundation of knowledge for history and, and uh, theology, which I think really is the best way to go about uh, that particular program, which is the it's a liberal, it's a theology focused liberal arts degree. So in my opinion, yeah, it's just like the best thing. Uh, and he was really helpful. He's really, you know, we have we have similar, um, similar church backgrounds, so we both are reformed. So, 
it was nice to have uh, kind of the elder figure to you know, explain things to me and help help kind of lead me with that. Outside of him, uh, Kobayashi Sensei. Yeah, shout uh, out to Kobayashi Sensei. Yeah, the just fantastic woman, great Japanese teacher, mm-hmm. super sweet, patient. Uh, I actually saw her uh, two days ago. I, really? I visited her church in, in Inzai, yeah. Oh, it's nice. actually really close to TCU. You should uh, you peep it out. It's on the other side of the Inzai Makinohara station. Oh, okay. Yeah, you should peep it. Okay. Uh, uh, Nene goes there. Nene. Oh, Nene. yeah. Nene, yeah. Kob- Is she in Chiba? Nene? She's, I mean, I guess. She's going to the church. Dang. Yeah. Um okay yeah but yeah so so the people the people yeah and then like you know it's like some of the students like yeah. nobu my man shout out nobu huh. um <laughs> i wonder if any japanese students will listen to this yeah i hope not <laughs> <laughs> no like isaku for sure like isaku is my boy yeah uh ricky uh-huh. um yeah uh I'm just personally curious. Are you still in contact with anybody from your first missions program? What was it called? WTM? MTW. MTW. Um, the missionaries who are in Japan. Yeah, like you said you had a mentor who told you about ICU. Oh, Bob, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, He is kind of retired now, but uh-huh. he comes back to Japan sometimes. Every I see him every time he comes back. Okay. And we talk sometimes. Uh, he joins my church's Zoom services every now and then. He preached actually a couple weeks ago. So yeah, okay. definitely still in contact with him. Uh, actually, uh, a couple students uh, I knew from uh, that have come to TCU. I knew from MTW. So Laura Allen is one. And I thought she was with Send. No. And uh. Uh, you remember Cootie? Her yeah. husband. Uh, oh. I knew he came over at the same time as me. Okay. Yes. Wait. So you were you in? You were in Tokyo uh, with? I was in Tokyo. With uh, what's his name? Caleb. Yeah. He was in Chiba, but yeah. Okay. We were we were at the same. We we took the same plane. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> but he was in the Chiba team. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah, pretty wild. So you don't see yourself ever doing missions in Japan? like Not that way. Yeah. Not. Just in your personal. Not, uh, yeah. That's a whole nother podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. For sure, man. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, so your sister has been to Japan. Yes. Um, but if you're if your brother or any other foreigner was planning to move to Japan, what advice would you give them before they moved here? Move like long term. Yeah, like some some kid was like I Neils, I would say don't move. I would say visit first. Mm. Do a couple months. But here's the thing is that for me and you both, we both did short term visits where exactly. we fell in love with japan but then when we lived here it was like okay this hurts but that's the case anywhere i would say you're not you're not gonna go anywhere in the world and it's just gonna be fucking 
daisies and roses the whole yeah. time, you know. But I feel I think because there's some people that come over with the short term program mm-hmm. and they're miserable from day one. That's true. So if you're those people, you definitely don't want to come, you know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So like, at the longest, I would like do a year teaching English or something like that. Yeah. I wouldn't do. I wouldn't do anything. Ooh, that more. would like be enough to destroy any. Man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the best situation. Well, how long was your first term? My you? first time in Japan was three months. Yeah. So that's perfect. Like yeah. three months two four you know somewhere in there less than less than six months is good a week isn't enough two weeks isn't enough Mm. you need at least like a month or two Mm. but yeah that my advice would be get your feet wet first don't cannonball (laughs) that's good because you got to know how shallow the pool is Ooh, yeah Ooh. continuing the All right, man. Well, thank you so much. Dude, thanks for having me. For having I, hope, you. I hope that uh, we can do this again. Yeah, we, we for sure will. We've like just scratched the surface. So we will, uh, I'll have nicer things to say to you next time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Cool, man. Glad to be here with you. Thanks, We'll dog. see you yeah. soon. It's real. Guys, thank you so much again for listening to It's a Guy Thing. Uh, I had a really good time with Niels. Um, I'm really sorry about the audio, guys. I tried really hard editing this thing, but it was not happening. I'm going to invest in some more expensive equipment, so hopefully things will get better. But as for now, thank you so much. One more episode for Season 1 with a very special guest, so stay tuned for next week. Uh, Thank you guys so much. Really appreciate it. Bye-bye.